The following is a hoop ball presentation. What's up, fam, and welcome to another edition, a Friday edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. Check out HoopBall on Twitter. HoopBall? Why do I keep saying that? HoopBall on Twitter, at HoopBallTweets, online, Hoop-Ball.com. All right, y'all, so we have a, a fun show ahead for you here. Uh, we had three games last night. Two of them were blowouts. One of them was really kind of fun. Not really kind of fun. It was really, really fun. So I'm going to go into that a little bit. And then I have a super uh, dope conversation that I had with my buddy Josh Earl. You can find him on Twitter at 2RedJEarl. Uh, just a super knowledgeable guy, good friend of mine, um, owner and basketball career development coach at Contextual Scouting, which is a super dope program for those interested in scouting um, that also gives you access to synergy and building a body of work that shows teams how you can help. Um, so that's really something cool. I'll definitely have um, the link in the description of this pod for you to check out. But we went for a little blast from the past. Uh, you've Heard a couple of you've heard a couple of these already. Uh, the ten man draft challenges, uh, fielding your best ten man rotation out of a specific draft class. We have done a few of these so far, and so me and Josh went back to the year nineteen ninety nine. I uh, think y'all will have a little bit of a laugh at the team that I put together. It's totally on brand for me, um, and I really enjoyed it. So definitely want y'all to check that out for sure. Really fun show, uh, and hopefully one that leads you into your weekend in a good state of mind. But um. Before we get started, let's take a moment, and then we're going to go into the news. Hey, y'all, just wanted to let you know of a tremendous offer we got going over here at HoopBall for Manscaped. Yep, that's right. Manscaped is back, baby, just like the NBA. Manscaped got everything you need to keep yourself sharp, cleaned up, and good to go. We're talking not only just the family jewels, which I get, but also the beard. Let's say you want to sharpen up the goatee, make the mustache look fresh. And it's not just trimmers and shavers they have. Tremendous products all over to make you smell good. Got crop mops, know what you know what those are for. All sorts of great products. So definitely make sure to check them out. And we got a deal for y'all over here. HoopBall20 is the code you want to use to get 20% off plus free shipping on your purchase. So that's HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. All together, one word, easy as pie. One more time, HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 to get that 20% off, plus free shipping on Manscaped at manscaped.com. Definitely make sure to use it. Tell them Corbin sent you. They probably won't know who it is. Tell them HoopBall sent you, and then they will. But make me feel good. Make my day. I'd appreciate it. I appreciate y'all. So we had two games that were just massive blowouts. A 26-point uh, margin of victory for one team and then a whopping 42 margin of victory for another team. So what's one to do, right? We're just going to get the biggest blowout over with. So that means talking about the Milwaukee Bucks going to Miami to face off against the Miami Heat in their home opener and honestly also their season opener. We get that. Uh the Heat came with a statement, y'all. They hit Milwaukee in the mouth and hit them hard with a 40 to 17 first quarter. I didn't I didn't have a typo there. 40 to 17. They rolled from there. They won every single quarter 
That's right. Miami won every single quarter, quarter to win the game 137 to 95. This wasn't even close, y'all. Uh, points in the paint. Miami had a huge edge, 60 to 38. Fast break points, 22 to 2. Biggest lead, Milwaukee never led. So that's simple. And Miami won by 42, so there it is. Uh, bench point, 75 to 22. It, it was, it was, it was just a complete uh, obliteration. Tyler Hero scored 27 to lead the route. Jimmy Butler added 21. Bam Adebayo had 20 points and 13 rebounds in under 25 minutes for the Heat. The Heat set team records for opening night scoring and opening night margin of victory. This is nearly the biggest margin of victory in any game for them, falling just short of a 43-point win over the Los Angeles Clippers way, way back in 1994. I say way, way back because I wasn't around back then. Uh, for the people who were, no offense taken, please. That's not the intention. Uh, it was just a monster. Uh, Miami out-rebounded Milwaukee 58-38. to It was a mess. P.J. Tucker starting against a team he helped, an NBA, helped get an NBA title just a few months ago had 8 points and 6 rebounds. Um, it, it was just it was crazy. There was a 19-0 run in the opening minutes to give Miami a 22-3 lead out of the gate. Miami was locked in entirely. Now, mind you, the Bucks were shorthanded. Drew Holiday was out from that right heel contusion he suffered in the first game against the Nets. Brooke Lopez did not play due to back pain, and Bobby Portis is still out with that left hamstring. So you, you did have a Milwaukee team that wasn't at full strength. Uh, for the Bucks, Miami, um, Giannis scored 15 points. Grayson Allen added 14, but it was hard to get offense across the board. Uh, Milwaukee shot just 38% from the field, 28% from three. Chris Middleton was 4-14 from the field for 10 points and uh, four assists as well as two rebounds. Giannis, 4 of 11 from the field. Miami's defense was all over. Uh, only 1 of 3 from beyond the arc for Giannis. 2 of 8 for Grayson Allen on an otherwise solid 14 points on 5 of 11 shooting. 3 of 12 from Jordan Awara. Uh, he definitely cooled down a little bit. It, it just wasn't the game for Milwaukee. Um, the injuries didn't help. Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez would have totally made a difference. But for Miami, it was it was a mess. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, 15 minutes, 13 points on 5 of 6 shooting. Uh it took a little bit for Kyle Lowry to get some shots to go in, and really only one shot. He made a three at about the midway point of the game to finish with five points and six assists. Only one rebound in 24 minutes. He was one of eight from the field, one of six from three. Uh, Duncan Robinson also did not score well. Three of ten from the field for eight points, six rebounds, and two assists. But honestly, with everyone else contributing all across the board, it, it really didn't matter. Everybody who played for Miami scored last night, uh, with the exception of Udonis Haslam, who did not play, so there you go. Uh, that's a lot of buckets, because that's a lot of people. Uh, for the Bucks again, it just wasn't the night they were shorthanded, they were cold, I get it, but jeez, what a monstrous blow for Miami. They definitely want to make a statement, they didn't care who was in front of them, they said, listen, y'all took care of us in the playoffs, we're about to be ready, primed, and fit to take y'all out tonight, and that's what they did last night, so really dominant win from Miami, end to end, and uh, yeah, not a very good game to look back on, uh, I think Milwaukee's going to try to push past this, forget it ever happened, and continue on. It's probably for the best, although there is some things to take away for sure in terms of performance and how to, you know, manufacture good shots and maybe play better defense, even with um, them being as shorthand as they were. There's no reason a George Hill, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, Giannis, and Chris Middleton lineup should be down 40-17. to 17. That, 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 that doesn't work for me. I just, I just think there's a little better effort to be had there, even as good as Miami was. That was the first blowout. The second one, eh, it was slightly closer. There were three lead changes and three times the game was tied. But really, Atlanta against Dallas had this 
well in their own hand. Uh, they just flushed past the Mavericks, 113-87. to Like I said, a lot closer until a 35-point third quarter for Atlanta. Really started to separate some distance between them and Dallas, and then they salted it away in the fourth quarter. Uh, this is a much tighter game, like I said, but the Hawks just had good bounce. Cam Reddish scored 20 points. Uh, Trey Young added 19. There was four other Hawks who scored in double figures, and it just wasn't close. Um, it went from a 51-44 halftime lead after the first half to a 86-64 lead heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, Trey Young definitely started off the game kind of slow, uh, but he scored 12 points and dished out nine assists in that fourth quarter, which drew those MVP chants. And the bench depth for the Hawks was big. It came up with 44 points. Seven Hawks scored before Young finally knocked down his first shot. If this was two years ago, then you would have thought, okay, whoever the Hawks are playing, they are going to win that game easily. That's how dependent they were on Trey Young. But not anymore. They definitely a lot of guys step up, and that was a big difference for them. Uh, what wasn't big for the Mavericks was really anything. Uh, I don't know why they took so many mid-range shots. Actually, I do know why. Jason Kidd, uh, coming into this season, talked about how he wanted to bring the mid-range back, in so many words, um, not rely on the three-point shot. Well, guess what? They took a lot of mid-range shots, and they didn't go in, which kind of leaves you in a little bit of a, dis- of a, of a pickle, right? Uh, the Mavericks shot a horrifically frigid 32% from the field, 31 of 93. Uh, Doncic was held to 18 points on 6-17 shooting. He did come up with 11 rebounds and 7 assists, but DeAndre Hunter played very good defense on him. And aside from that, Doncic did not get a whole lot of help. Uh, Jalen Brunson scored 17 off the bench. That was probably as close to help as you were getting for Dallas. Dorian Finney-Smith shot 2 of 12. Kristaps Porzingis, 4 of 13. Tim Harley Jr. played okay. 14 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 of 9 from the field. Uh, but that was it. That was really it. And it also showed, and I talked about this in the Mavericks season preview, also in the Southwest season preview that we did here at Ramble Ramble, that I was really worried about who would be a shot creator um, to kind of help out Luka Doncic, take some of the load off of him. Because if he's not generating offense for himself and others, who is that guy to step up and do that? And the answer was just what the answer was going into the season. Outside of Jalen Brunson, not really a whole, one, whole lot else. And Jalen Brunson, uh, full-time, that's just not his role. He can definitely do it in parts for minutes at a time, but definitely not enough to say, okay, you know what? When Luke is out, don't worry. We got Jalen Brunson. He's just a nice piece. It got so bad Trey Burke got minutes because he was the only one to uh, resemble a facsimile of that type of player, and he didn't do a whole lot. Uh, nine minutes, five points, two or three. I mean, the three he knocked down was like literally in crunch, like not crunch time, garbage time. There was nothing there, and that's something the Mavericks might have to worry about, even more so than Jason Kidd's horrific coaching because that philosophy is it's gone. I mean, here you start a bigger lineup playing a more traditional unit with Kristaps at the four and Dwight Powell at the five. Uh, Powell for uh, for it, what is worth four points and four boards. That's it in 20 minutes. Uh, of course, with Hardaway and Doncic and then Willie Cauley-Stein um, coming off and that was it. It was rough. Sterling Brown and Reggie Bullock, the two big free agent acquisitions for Dallas combined for two of eight shooting from three and two of nine shooting overall. Uh, they were just cold. And guess what? When the shooters are cold, you have a really good defender, Luka Doncic, and other guys aren't giving you anything mixed in with just horrific shot distribution and selection, uh, you're going to get a lopsided loss. And that's exactly what happened for the Dallas Mavericks. Now, you know, people on Twitter were jumping on Jason Kidd. Uh, shout out to my boy, uh, Mark Schindler, who tried to be the voice of reason, saying, hey, listen, nobody wanted Jason Kidd here, right? But it's one game. Just chillax. You know, let's take it one day at a time. Twitter doesn't want to do that. You know, we, we ain't about that life. We are jumping on with the hottest of takes immediately. 
And so that's what's happening right now. But I think it can be better. I think that there definitely needs to be a reevaluation of what shots are good for the personnel. And that if you can get, you know, I don't know, uh, two of your guys finish really well around the basket uh, compared to mid-range and three, and that's Dwight Powell and Willie Colley-Stein, so maybe you should run more action toward the basket if you're going to do that. And if not, then have Kristaps bomb away from three. He only got four attempts from three. You definitely think he's going to space the floor. Spacing out to a three-point line is a lot better than 15 to 18 feet, right? I don't know. This just seems basic to me. I'm not an NBA coach, so I'm not trying to presume that I know, but I, I kind of know, right? I, I just, that's my thoughts. Anyways, rough game. Uh, like I said, after the third quarter, it was basically all academic from there. But the game of the night was well worth it. It was the Golden State Warriors against the Los Angeles Clippers. The Warriors home opener. They did beat the Lakers on opening night. We already covered that. The Clippers in their first game of the season. And wow, Stephen Curry. That's all I have to say. Went off for 45 points. Yep, I'm not kidding. 45 points for Steph Curry. He had 25 points and five threes on 100% shooting in the first quarter. Now, what's crazier than that, I'll say it one more time, 25 points and five threes on 100% shooting, what's crazier than that is that this is the second time he has done that in a quarter in his career. The only other player to do this, his splash brother, Clay Thompson, who did that back in 2015. Like, that is wild. He could not miss. The Clippers had 27 points in the first quarter. Steph Curry had 25 points in the first quarter. Just think about that for a second, how crazy that is. Uh, the Warriors as a whole, by the way, it wasn't just Steph Curry at that time. That first quarter, the Warriors scored 44. So Steph Curry had 25 of the Warriors' 44 points against the Clippers' 27. That's wild. Now, the Clippers came right back. They were gamers. They fought. They were in it. Paul George just gave a heroic performance, I say, because he consistently brought it. He finished 29 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists, 52% from the field, 5 threes. The guy was, was good, but... Curry just completely overshadowed it. Uh, the Clippers came back, like I said, with a 40-point second quarter uh, to get right back in the game. It was a one-point lead for the Warriors. Nip and tuck in the third quarter. Nip and tuck in the fourth. Came down to the final minutes, but Steph Curry put it away. He had a go-ahead three-pointer with 56.8 seconds remaining to follow up another deep three it hit less than a minute earlier. And it was it was it was it was just monstrous. He even had a key rebound with 36 seconds left, made two free throws with less than five seconds left, basically scoring eight mid points over the final 154. Uh, it was crazy. Curry was 16 of 25 from the floor, 8 of 13 from deep, and he had 10 rebounds. The second time he's done that so far in as many games. He's really trying to turn into a much better shooting Russell Westbrook, getting those rebounds and near triple doubles. Uh, remember, on Tuesday, he shot just 5 of 21, making 2 of 8 threes for 21 points. So you could say he kind of bounced back in a major way, couldn't you, right? Exactly. Damian Lee played well. Um, Andrew Wiggins chipped in with 17 points and 6 boards. Uh, Damian Lee had 11 points off the bench and hit a big 3 um, in the middle of the fourth quarter. But, yeah, it was just a complete effort all around for the Warriors, led by the dominance of one Steph Curry. For the Clippers, I already mentioned Paul George. Eric Bledsoe scored 22 points. And again, the Clippers come back for that 19-point deficit to take a 67-66 lead at halftime. They capitalized on the Warriors' turnovers, and they showed resiliency. It was really, really cool to see. Um, honestly, that was the game of the night. Uh, crazy to see how these two teams just kind of gave a nip-and-tuck type of battle. Uh, back and forth, 
big shots, but Steph Curry, man, at this rate, if he's going to play like this, I had him as a regression candidate. I'm, I'm wondering what I was smoking at this point. I really am, and I don't even smoke, but maybe I was, I don't even know how to explain that. Like, I thought, okay, he surely cannot keep this up. And yes, it's only two games, but gosh dang, two huge games. I didn't see it. And when I said Curry was a regression candidate, I think I mentioned this, but why not reiterate again? Because looking dumber by the minute, I meant that he couldn't achieve the heights that he did last year. Not that he's going to regress to like, you know, 15 points and like six assists a game, but just that he wouldn't achieve the, the near MVP numbers that he had last year. I say near because he could have been, but wasn't obviously, right? Well, right now, what am I going to say? 45, 10 and 10, a double-double last game, just amazing shooting number, 64% from the field overall, 61% from three. You know he didn't miss a free throw. Like, what are you supposed to do with this man? Draymond Green actually scored in double digits, 10.6 rebounds, 7 assists, a little bit of everything. You know, this 2-9 from the free throw line, so this is like prime 2017 Draymond, right? <laughs> Back when he was still making some baskets, right? Uh, Jordan Poole definitely slowed down, definitely made some dumb shots. Or not made some dumb shots, but took some dumb shots. And you realize that it's definitely going to take a little bit more seasoning for him to kind of get used to what shots he can and can't take in the system. And although he's had a great preseason and an electric first game against the Lakers, that he's just not that guy just be throwing up stuff like that. He is not stuff. He may look like Steph sometimes. He may resemble him in terms of play style, but he is not a Steph Curry. Uh, he finished with nine points, four boards, four assists on, like I said, four of 14 shooting, one of six from three. It was not pretty. Now, mind you, Bielitsa came in and just had a crazy game in game one. Eh, 6.6 boards in game two. Nothing crazy there. Otto Porter Jr. playing solid. I like the fact that he's playing like a 15 to 20 minute stint. That seems to be kind of his role in the rotation, just to maximize effectiveness, uh, you know, minimize any risk of injury. I do like the way that Coach Kerr is deploying Otto Porter. And Andre Godala, man, the dude looks spry, like 37, what? He looks so washed in Miami. I thought that it's really cool to see him have this resurgence, resurgence back in this Golden State type of vibe. Four points, six boards, three assists. You know he doesn't do it on the stat sheet. It's what he does commanding the defense, initiating the offense with the second unit, just doing all the little things that make the Warriors the Warriors. And that's exactly what he did there. So, Really fun game. That is the game of the night, absolutely. Definitely recommend y'all checking that one out. Um, it's going to be well worth the watch if you haven't watched it. going to be well worth the rewatch if you did. That's all I got to say for that. All right, Friday night games. Tonight's games, all times Eastern, as y'all know, on League Pass. You have the Hornets playing the Cavaliers. Definitely going to see how Evan Mobley continues to play after a very solid first game. Uh, speaking of very solid, uh, LaMelo Ball had an insane first game. Uh, with a 31-9-7, so we'll see what he does against Cleveland. Then you have the Knicks playing the Magic also at 7. Uh, poor Orlando, so I have to say. I think New York is going to take this pretty easy. Uh, definitely want to see some just well-balanced Knicks scoring, though. I love the vibe they had in Madison Square Garden. That was just special to watch. Also at 7, Pacers will play the Wizards. That should be a fun game. Uh, two teams that have very uh, interesting type of play styles. Very similar in my mind. And the fact that they're kind of... Uh, Nondescript, in my opinion, you know? So, fun to watch that for sure. 7.30, the Raptors will be doing battle against the Celtics. While the Nets will be doing the same against the 76ers. That will be on ESPN. Nets versus Celtics. Uh, should be a fun one. Or Nets versus Celtics, sorry. Nets versus 76ers. Wow. Uh, there will be no Ben Simmons as he tries to figure out his life and, you know, what he's going to do with the 76ers. But it should be a fun game. The Nets are probably, you know... Still a little salty from the loss to Milwaukee. Uh, Philadelphia coming off of a win are going to have to probably withstand a very, very tough Brooklyn performance. So that should be interesting. The Bulls, the three alphas. Just kidding. 
The three alphas, Redux. There you go. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball will be playing against the Zionless New Orleans Pelicans at 8. While the Oklahoma City Thunder will be playing the Houston Rockets in Tankathon 1.0, also at 8. <laughs> 9 o'clock will bring the Spurs versus the Nuggets. That should be a sneaky fun game. While 10 o'clock will bring a pair of games. You have the ESPN game where the Los Angeles Lakers will play the Phoenix Suns in a rematch of last year's first round series. While the Sacramento Kings will have a true test against the Utah Jazz. I'm just kidding. The Kings had a challenge against the Blazers. But this will be a fun kind of contrast of styles. See where the Kings stand. They had a really, really opening, uh, really, really strong opening performance. And I want to see how they do against the creme de la creme of the Western Conference. So a bunch of fun games for sure. Uh, you know, we had a three-game Thursday, so a little bit of a chance to catch your breath, really kind of dive in and focus on these games. And now we are back to league pass, league hopping it all around. Should be really, really fun. As far as birthdays go, just to... Uh, one, the late, great Drazen Petrovic, uh, born in October 22nd, uh, today, of course, 1964 in Croatia. Uh, he unfortunately passed away in 93 at the age of 28 um, in a tragic car accident. But in the short time that he did play, four years, he definitely made an impact. Career averages of 15 points, two rebounds, two assists, shot 43% from three, uh, was really one of the great shooters of that time. Uh, as well as one of the more impactful players from um, overseas to come in and really make an impact in the NBA. Uh, he is a Hall of Famer. He was uh, on the 1992-1993 All-NBA team. Uh, and I just wonder, you know, what he could have been. Definitely was a passionate player who could find the basket. And there's some funny stories about him in Portland. I definitely recommend looking up Jocelyn Petrovic to, to learn more about him. But really, really fun guy um, who unfortunately was gone far too soon. Also, another birthday just to shout out, um, in addition to Petrovic, is Gennaro Pargo, a long-time vet, played a bunch of seasons, 11 to be exact, in the NBA, with a variety of teams, um, including Chicago, the Hornets, Atlanta, um, the Lakers, the Wizards, and Toronto, uh, most notably or most recently in the Big Three, uh, just a solid guard. Not a whole lot there, a scrapper, grinder, a career average of six points and two assists, solid three-point shooter, 35% from there, and watching him in the big three, I just still have respect for the way he continues to play, ball is life for him, and that is cool to see, he is 41, so definitely, or 42 rather, my mistake, so definitely shout out to Gennaro Pargo, his brother, also NBA player, former Jeremy Pargo, so just want to give that all in the family reference, okay, that sucked. Anyways, with that, y'all, I will turn it over to the amazing 10-man rotation challenge that I did with Josh Earl, 1999. Really fun draft. I think you guys are in for a treat. Definitely check it out. Let me know what y'all think. You can follow me again on Twitter at CorbinNBA. But also, please rate, review, if you can, round by round. But let me know how I can get better. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Definitely love all of the feedback that I do get, but I would appreciate so much more. So if y'all could do me that favor on iTunes, don't have to make an account. Just go to iTunes, rate it, you know, leave whatever you want. I appreciate that. I appreciate y'all. I yo, am Frosty. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition and of Round Ball Ramble. For this I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me here. on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Visit Hoopball Presentations. So check out Hoopball on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets online, Hoop dash ball.com NBA season is literally just over a week and some change away uh fancy basketball leagues are already starting I have made all my names I don't have a strategy yet but I'm coming up with that but if you want to bypass uh my muddling through definitely check out hoop ball for all of that between the fantasy side 
um, the hoop ball draft guide, all of that to get your edge on your fantasy league, uh, whether it's for free or for money, definitely make sure to check out hoop ball for that. Also, NBA is back. So is Manscaped. So definitely make sure to get all that Manscaped goodness for with 20% off plus free shipping using the promo code hoopball20. That's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. 20% off plus free shipping once more. Hoopball20. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. All right, y'all. So on Round Ball Ramble, we are still in the offseason. I don't care what they say. Preseason's nice, but it's like it's like an addition. It's like an appendage of the offseason to me. So we're just going to keep going with our draft retrospectives, uh, our little 10-man challenge. We are going to the way, way back with the 1999 NBA draft. And joining me, is very good friend. I'm literally almost embarrassed. I haven't had him on the show before, but I'm happy to have him on now. Uh, I'm going to keep going. You can find him on Twitter at Josh. Uh, it's Josh Two Red Earl T R E D J U R L. I call him Josh in my head so much because it's Mr. Josh Earl. Um, Josh, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks uh, for having me on. We we've kind of talked about doing this for a long time. Yes. Like it's just always kind of bounced around and stuff but uh super happy to be on here i think 99 was like a really interesting draft year too and i think Mm -hmm. it'll be fun kind of uh picking out two different 10-man rotations out of this class oh yes it's gonna be a lot of fun and listen i know josh you gotta i want you to definitely share um some about contextual scouting we're gonna let you kind of before at the end talk about that and just what you do on the basketball side but real quick before we get underway with this 10-man rotation challenge uh what are your kind of overarching thoughts on the 99 nba draft because it's one that doesn't really come to mind when i think of the nba draft Mm -hmm. but like it was pretty good it's it's a like in terms of depth of like quality, like there maybe weren't any superstars in this class, mm-hmm. um, you know, but there, there were a lot of really good players in this class. Um, I forget how many all-stars, but um, several all-stars in this class, you had uh six man of the year, Jason Terry. Um, you also have, the delight that was the Knicks taking Frederick Weiss, um, AKA the guy Vince dunked over in wow. the Olympics um, before Ron Artest. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Which I remember the New York audience being so mad. And they I always, mean, they're, always yep, mad, they're always mad, but they're smarter basketball fans. than you think, let I me mean, look at it. The management made that decision. Um, shout out to Scott Layden, although he wasn't quite there yet. I did a piece on this already. Um, but the management kind of freaked out. And it's like, you had a homegrown product right there, but no, we'll go with the big who never played for us or barely played. Yeah. Yeah. And, and rightfully never came over to the league after Vince baptized him. That was probably for the best. I mean, who would go from that to go play with New York? I'm just saying, like. That's fair. That's fair. Perfectly fair. Yeah. Definitely. But, yeah, man, I'm, in, I'm excited to get into this. Like you said, it, it was, um, this has been a lot. This is, I mean, it's been a lot in terms of the type of quality from that draft. And like you said, no, like, clear cut bam you know this is a star but a lot of guys who had like really strong years i actually like two of the guys from duke i mean there was four from duke that were drafted in the first round um elton brand you had a tragedy langdon you had Corey mcgetty are you ready for mcgetty that's one of my favorites and then william avery who i always thought was gonna be really really good also Um, mm -hmm. mcgetty had maybe the best nickname (laughs) in basketball like like there there are other Mm. nicknames that i think are more iconic you know like magic Mm-hmm. Uh, Muggsy, who's one of my favorite players of all time. Like, there, there are more iconic nicknames, but Bad Porn is just such a, a great nickname and such a great encapsulation of his game. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, that 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 is for sure. <laughs> 
I mean, he listen, Corey Maggette still played up until like two, three years ago with the big three. Like yep. seeing him play that mid-range J, just his chiseled physique. I mean, the guy's a legend for sure. Um, but yeah, without without further ado, man, we could talk about the draft for a minute and just have a draft talk. That'd be fun. But we are instead going to continue with our 10-man challenge. Um, I'll, of course, let you get the first pick. You can come up with a name right now. You can wait a little later. You can just call yourself Team Earl, uh, whatever you want there. But um, with the first pick of the 99 NBA draft, you are on the clock, sir. With the first pick of the 99 NBA draft, uh, my team will take the only surefire Hall of Famer in this draft class, one of my favorite all-time players of all, uh, players of all time, Manu Ginobili. Wow, Ginobili. I like that. Ginobili. Like that. <laughs> all right, you got to go. Okay, so you're building – are you planning on, obviously, on, I think, building around uh, Ginobili here yes. kind of? Yeah, yeah. Ginobili is going to get the James Harden treatment uh, for me in the sense of we're running the offense through him. He's going to be our de facto point guard. Um, I, I think Manu is a really unique player in NBA history, and, and he's one of the few guys I can think of that kind of is a um, chaos agent on offense mm-hmm. in a positive way, like in a highly positive way where, like, I think Kobe even mentioned that Manu was the toughest guy for him to kind of cover because – he didn't know what Manu was going to do because Manu didn't know what Manu was going to do. Yeah. Manu just kind of like feels it. Uh, and that element of chaos that he brought to offense, I, I think um, is part of why Manu had such a, a wonderful career, including international and uh, the Spurs and everything. I like it. I like it. Um, I mean, it was true. And he's someone that, do you think he could have been someone that you like build a team around? Um, oh yeah, in the yeah. NBA, absolutely. I, Especially like in his prime. Yes, I I think he could. Uh, I don't think he'd be. I think he'd be more of a. And it sounds weird. Uh, not the same degree of numbers, but I think he'd kind of fill a more playmaking uh, version of Harden in Houston, where Harden, obviously excellent playmaker too, not knocking Harden. Yeah. Uh, but but also an elite elite scorer. I think Manu would kind of be. The other flip of that, where it'd be a little more uh, playmaking um, and, and a little less ball dominant, uh, okay. but but I think Manu could totally be the uh, primary uh, shot generator on a, an NBA team. On an NBA team, it would be interesting to see. I mean, as it was the best six men ever. Probably. I mean, there's been yep. a lot of good six men, but we're talking about not just in offensive terms, because nowadays, like, we know the six man award for the last like seven years, like the highest score off the bench. Oh, yeah. We're talking about someone who makes an impact, you stout defender, you know, very good, sneaky on that end. Uh, like you said, second side, second uh, uh, ball handler, initiator, um, offense, we could score all three levels. The guy was a, was a, was a solid player. Um, Probably should have been 2005 finals MVP. Too. Honestly, if you think and about it. And I love Timmy, but. If you yeah. think about it, yeah, him being able to get into the interior again and again and just slice that tough Detroit defense. Yeah, as much as, as Tim had a, a low post game that was a nice balance against Ben Wallace and the battle was great, you're right. I definitely look at that like a, a one that Manu should have had in the bag. And then all three would have had one, you know? Yep. But, um, all right, so you've taken Manu, which leaves me to take – well, I actually like him. Uh, a guy who I think should be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Average 17 points and nine rebounds every year from 2001 to 2007. Uh, led the league in steals twice. Uh, I mean, literally, he 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 he's bomb. Uh, he's the Matrix. 
his jump shot, I modeled mine after. Okay, just kidding. But I did have one very similar. Um, and so I'm going to go with Mr. Sean Marion. Uh, I look at Sean, man, um, Josh, and I just see someone that is a jack of all trades. Nope. I don't think I see someone I can build around, even though he thought he could. But I got to give a shout out to Cody Hodek. Um, you can check him on Twitter at Cody Hodek. But uh, my little my um, friend over at um, Premium Hoops, but also an NBA kind of deep dive guy himself he wrote a really good piece on on um sean marion alongside what his game was and how well it was and it really kind of pokes holes at just why he couldn't have been the primary guy but if you look at it i don't mind him being a secondary guy for me and he's some of that you know can't shoot through three ball you know when he's young the athleticism could guard like basically one through four pretty well um remarkably well i the guy had athleticism and stayed as a solid role player even after like till age 33 34 so i'm taking the matrix uh i think one of the more accomplished, but again, underrated of this draft class. Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent pick. And I, I think of him as one of the great um, force multipliers in NBA history. Like maybe not um, the key component to your offense or your defense necessarily, but you plug him in and he makes everything else better. Um, and, and the the ability for him to be as productive as he was without really many plays ru- being run for him and everything, if you can get a guy who has that kind of skill set, like you're so well prepared when you do nab a primary guy to just roll right away. I mean myself there. I said yeah, and it is something that kind of it lends itself, like you said, to a more a, a more unified team in that way. Someone who fills in multiple gaps. You know, and, and someone I know will step in and have some big games. So I'm definitely with you on that, man. But uh, going right back to you, third pick, who we got? All right. Uh, I talked about Manu being an offensive chaos agent. With the second, or uh, with my second pick, I'm taking a defensive chaos agent, one of the very best in NBA history, AK 47 himself, Andre Kirilenko. Wow. I was really hoping he would. <laughs> I should have known better, but I thought you'd be enamored with Will Avery. Darn it. All right. I mean, who doesn't love William Avery? I mean, listen, uh, uh, yeah, good long overseas career. Yeah. I thought he could have been the, the, the next guard. And uh, I mean, my, I thought this in retrospect, I was like eight when this happened, unfortunately. But like looking back, I was like, oh, okay, solid guy, you know, Minnesota. Okay. But yeah, Andre Karolinko, uh, go into, oh, see, I was so confused. I put him on my team. Uh, go into <laughs> kind of why you picked him alongside Manu, because this is one that's yeah. going to wreak havoc. Yeah, so again, uh, I just like the idea of uh, chaos agents that, that are positive impact chaos agents because we also ha- know there are like negative chaos agents. Oh, of course. Uh, I, 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 I love apologize those guys. if he's uh, one of your guys, but like Ricky Davis, for Oh instance. my gosh, why you got to bring him up? I love Ricky, <laughs> but, but you're right, but you're right. Man. I, know, I, I had a feeling you did, but yeah. you get my point. I do. Um, Andre Kirilenko is one of the most versatile uh, defensive guys uh, the league's ever seen. Um, wonderful uh, shot blocker, despite not being a prototypical big. Um, I feel like there's a lot of flexibility you can build in a lineup when Andre Kirilenko is kind of maybe not your defensive anchor, but he's like your defensive centerpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of it, he's not a great shooter, but the guy could shoot uh, great ball mover and advantage uh, enhancer. Um, So I think he would just be an excellent fit with Manu. Um, And I also just think those two guys would just be like, I would watch a documentary, uh, like a basketball buddy 
cop comedy documentary with Manu and Andre Kirilenko. Oh, uh, I mean, it would be kind of fun. Yeah. It would be kind of fun. I mean, he had a World of Warcraft uh, addiction, I think. Um, oh. He had the, the get the, the the hall pass from his wife during the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, he was an interesting person, quite the enigma. I think having a, a um, what is that one on HBO, that football show? Um, Hard Knocks uh, with, that, with your yeah, team? Yep. That'd yep. be fun. That'd yep. be a fun team for sure. All right, so you mentioned um, flexibility, versatility, and I, I couldn't think of anyone that might better be suited for that role than Laker legend, Mavericks legend, Lamar Odom. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, Definitely more Lakers Mavericks. legend than Mavericks, but <laughs> I have Clippers, to. Clippers legend. There you know. go, Clippers legend. Yep, yep. He had a moment with the, with the with the Heat, you know. Um, but you know he was a lefty, so first of all, that earns points as a fellow lefty here. Uh, one of four players in history to average at least sixteen points, seven rebounds, four assists, and a steal of his first two seasons. The guy did a little bit of everything. Uh, Definitely was someone who unlocked the LA Lakers in terms of having versatility, uh, whether that be outside scoring, whether that be interior scoring, you know, distributing the ball, rebounding, uh, just doing a little bit of everything. Um, six of his eight highest single season box plus minus figures happen with the Lakers. And obviously he was kind of devastated, of course, when he ended up being traded. And that's kind of what kind of spelled the end of his career, unfortunately, when he got traded to Dallas and then, of course, the Clippers. But um, he's the only 99 pick to surpass over 12,000 points, 8,000 boards, 3,000 assists. Guess what? Um, only once we even got close. I already have one of them on my team, Sean Marion. So when I look at this team, I got guys who can shoot three. I got guys, uh, well, I got a guy in Odom who I can reliably look at to initiate offense for me as well, alongside um, whoever I'm hopefully trying to pick next. And I have a guy who defensively will show up pretty well between him and Marion. I'm glad that I have them to kind of form my little uh, forward tandem. Yeah, that's an amazing forward tandem. And, and people, uh, a lot of people kind of remember Lamar Odom as in that six man role and, mm-hmm. and in that kind of more tertiary role. And I, I don't think Lamar ever really had that kind of primary guy uh, personality or, or, or like uh, attitude to be the guy, but it, it's hard to find somebody his size with the degree and the depth of skills that he had. Yeah, you're right. Like the the bag, as they say, was deep with him. Yes, and ahead of his time for someone that was six foot ten. That's like Hermione's bag. Like just you can take whatever out of there. It's it's and it's gonna be gold. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh man. Oh man. All right. You have the fourth pick. No, you're the fifth pick. Yep. So with the fifth pick, I'm gonna go with an underrated guy from this class uh richard rip hamilton wow i like it though yep yep um so you and i have discussed this before and we'll probably discuss it more in the future but i think off ball shot creation is vastly underrated and is a very valuable skill set we we already yet that conversation already started we'll have that rip is uh one of the very best of all time in that regard um He was the offensive focal point of that Detroit Pistons team that went to six straight Eastern Conference finals, or as one of my mentors calls them, NBA Final Fours, which if you think about them in that way, really puts into context, uh, like conference finals really are a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, everyone just kind of focuses on getting to the finals or not, but getting to the conference finals is still a pretty big achievement. And obviously they won the ring in 04 over your Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. And they uh, 
also uh, had a very well uh, fought seven game series in 05 with the Spurs. And I, I think having the shot creation uh, on ball ability of Manu paired with an off ball shot creator in rip is going to help diversify my offense and allow for um, less stagnation. Uh, and if you were to put a defensive stopper on Manu, it wouldn't kill my offense. No, I see what you're saying. That's true. You have someone then who can kind of alleviate some pressure there, yes. like a release yep. valve. Um, yep. And especially when he's younger, he was pretty dope. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, I am back. And honestly, I'm looking at some of my guys, man. I'm trying to fight it, but I see a few of my guys I like. Um, Do it, man. Do it. Uh, I, I, I already know. a co- I have an idea, but like. I mean, I'm. I'm trying to. This is where I got in trouble last draft challenge I did. I tried to draft somebody and hope that you didn't draft them. You know, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it one more time. Why not? Right. I'm going to go with Metal World Peace. See, I thought you might, and like, he, he was definitely on my list uh, and probably would have been my next pick. So, I'm glad. Okay, good. I'm yeah, glad yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I, I figured the guy I really want, I like Metal World Peace, but Metal World Sandiford enough. Um, I, you look at a guy who was a, a peak defender, you know, in his prime, oh, uh, physical, yeah. could move, you know, had, had a much more diverse offensive game. Uh, as I found out during, we referenced it before, Josh, but in our, uh, in our little uh, all-time draft challenge, uh, his early offense was uh, kind of rough in terms of efficiency. Okay, fine. But he was a devastating defender who could put the ball in the basket. Um, a couple all defensive teams really kind of almost became a main option uh, with the Kings and, and late or the Kings and Rockets um, on that kind of team. That was just homogenous. I'm not even saying the right word, but this group of, of players that were just really coached well. Um, and yeah, I think he later became a really high, high value role player alongside Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. He's going to join Lamar Odom. He was a good fit there. I like what he brings to the table there. And yeah, I mean, the guy was a solid underrated player for someone who came with a physical style. Nothing looked pretty in this game. You know, his jump shot wasn't really pretty. His offensive game was really just rough and tumble. Um, his defense game was rough and tumble. We saw the mouse and the mouse and everything. So, like, you get that he is a, a, a just an enigma of a player. But I like that. I like what he brings to the table, and I like him on this team. Oh, yeah. Excellent pick. Uh, one of the things I've been thinking about lately is how rare it is to find, like, a legit big wing defender, like mm-hmm. an elite defender who can make the LeBrons of the world, the Chris Middletons of the world, um, all, all, all those type of bigger wings actually work really, really hard for their buckets. Like, and Ron Artest, uh, or I, I, I prefer, uh, what was it, Panda's Friend? I yeah, think that was yeah, my favorite yeah. one of his. Yeah, uh, We'll go with Panda's Friend. Uh, I, I think he's one of the, the elite uh bigger wing defenders of all time. Okay. I definitely think that he was really good in terms of being solid and just, yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with that. hundred percent agree. But um, I guess that brings it back to you. I we're kind of shaping up here so far. You have your backcourt set in a forward after, after three forwards. Um, so one's going to play the five in this modern NBA. That's my excuse. Uh, but we're going to throw it back to you sure. and we're going to see where Josh goes here with uh, yeah. the eighth pick. No, so seventh. With, the eight, with the seventh pick, uh, I am actually going to, break convention in these uh ones and i'm actually going to take my sixth man uh instead of another starter uh because i don't know how long he might stay on the board and that's going to be actual six man winner uh jason the jet terry oh wow um, okay i uh, like it 
another champion um, and, and somebody who, when, when you're doing these type of uh, exercises that we're doing, it's uh, the drop off uh, to the bench lineups can be kind of strong sometimes, depending on the draft class. And uh, I don't think there's going to be somebody even remotely close to you know, Manu's level available once we, we get to the bench stuff. And I think uh, Jet is somebody who can help uh, keep that bench lineup scoring relatively well um, and can also play alongside Manu in some lineups, um, alongside Rip, um, and also just seems like a really cool dude. He just seems really, really solid. I like him. I think he's down to earth. Um, saw him in that GM school thing. That was kind of fun. Um, yeah, he's just a nice guy. I mean, getting dunked on by LeBron, I think, helped erase some of the sting of uh, hoping that I actually wanted the Heat to – no, I actually, I actually wanted the Heat to lose in that Tony Interesting. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm an underdog nice. guy a little bit, so it was nice to see yeah. that. But then I felt he got a little cocky. That dunk was, took him way down to earth. But someone who could take that could easily just disappear or go a certain type of way, and he was just – just real chill, you know, really cool guy. Him and John Lucas, I love the two, you know, because John Lucas Lakers, I love just how they're, they're just good, like you said, good, solid guys. Yep. And you got to respect somebody who's confident enough to get a tattoo of the Larry O'Brien trophy before he won it. That is dope. Yeah, the Celtics one, kind of weird, but the other one, yeah, dope. I agree. That, 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 takes, some, that takes some stones. Real stones. Okay, so speaking of stones, I'm going to have a pick that's going to take some stones. I am taking from my starting guard. I like my team, but we need a franchise. I am taking... <laughs> I am taking Stevie Franchise. Steve Francis, baby. Uh, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Josh probably knows. I want to take number one, but I decided not to. Uh, you know, cooler has prevailed. Uh, but I gave him my inhibitions, finally, because this is the guy I always wanted. I mean, listen... He wasn't meant for the Grizzlies. He was meant for my team, all right? Uh, people forget in the dunk contest 2000, not bad. Not bad. Just got to say that. Um, he, was, he was really good in that dunk contest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, thank you, Blue Report, putting together some stats. He had six seasons of at least 16 points, five rebounds, and five assists. Like, that's putting some numbers together. Had seven triple-doubles in his career. That's, that's close thing I'm going to get to Russell Westbrook in this draft, and you know how I feel about Russell Westbrook. So, yes. I'll take that. I, I do feel like he definitely flamed out. A lot quicker than expected. I mean, I remember him being drafted. He's basically gone by like 2007 in my mind. Went to New York and just disappeared. Like, it was very short. I know he played longer than seven years, but it felt like just seven years of remembering him. With the Rockets, uh, with the Magic, with the Knicks, and then goodbye. Um, and, and so that, that kind of drops him a little bit, but in this right now for a series, I like the fact that he can, you know, shoot the ball well, uh, you know, he can get to the rim, uh, offensively, he's just dynamite in terms of his speed, his quickness, and he's the type of player I want. In fact, he's on an honorable mention of, a, of my, uh, of my personal top five. So I will, um, take him and I am satisfied. He was the guy that I knew you would take in this class. Wow. Like, I you knew, knew it? you were going to take him. Oh, dude. Like, I, I, wanted, I, I knew I, it. After I took Sean Marion, I wanted to take him. And obviously I, 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 I could tell. Good. Yeah. Honestly, I yeah. might've even taken him over Sean, but then I'm like, okay, I need one of these guys to legitimize myself. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're good. Uh, like <laughs> the, the only, the only fault I have with Steve Francis isn't even his fault. It's Stu Jackson's fault. Mm. Um, you know, like it, that was kind of the death knell for basketball in Vancouver. And I still hope that one day along with Seattle, Vancouver gets a team back. Um, but, but, but that, that definitely 
left a sour note in my my mouth uh, when that happened. But you got to give Steve Francis credit. Uh, his career, especially like the first few seasons with the, the Rockets and then uh, with Orlando, dude got buckets, got assists, rebound, everything. Um, super athletic like monte do it all bouncy and fast like he was a fun guy to watch like monte like monte ellis he do it all now i'm playing <laughs> but you're right that peak i'd say from like 99 to 2003 well my fault drafted 99 so if like 2000 2003 2004 uh, yeah that was that was peak steve franchise um yep. definitely loved it but uh yeah let's go down to you let me see all right so uh my next pick is going to be somebody who technically wasn't even drafted in 1999 but was eligible to be drafted in 1999 a loophole sir raja bell wow okay i and yeah yeah another solid josh type pick grittiness tough you you like the intangibles you know good three-point shooting oh i'm a huge intangible Knows how to move to the corner, clear out the corner. I see you. I see you. Okay. Yep. The bell tolls for three. Compliment to to Manu and Rip. Yeah. Um, able to kind of defend the primary perimeter uh, scorer for opponents. Yeah. Uh, and fits in well on offense as well. Uh, also, good dude. Wow. I mean, listen. You got high character. Listen to Josh draft right now. High character guys know how to play within the system. And that system works. And that's it. Um, meanwhile, I'm taking Corey McGetty. <laughs> Not, <gonna waste> any <laughs> time. Not that Corey McGetty's an all-class person. Not to say anything is Corey McGetty, but just saying how quickly no. I just want to get my guys. Um, Corey McGetty, I did not realize, actually had more uh, turnovers and assists. I wasn't aware of that. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, and huh. also wasn't the greatest three-point shooter. But guess what? He had more turnovers and assists because it was a bad idea for him to pass the ball. He was the best option, and I'm going to run it with him. Well, actually – Oh, we got a lot of guys that could. Right. Stevie Francis and Corey McGetty are going to take turns. All right, that's all. <laughs> that's our dynamic two-man attack. The guy could get his way to the line. He did it consistently. Um, I think he led the league uh, in 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 one year going to the free throw line, and then also um, uh, led the class in terms of getting to the line uh, per hundred possessions, which is pretty pretty solid. Um, definitely was a guy who thought first to score, second to score, and fourth maybe to pass, but ultimately to score. So I think I'll be fine um with that and i'm honestly i i feel like that's my my biggest strength and my issue i love guys who put the ball in the basket the fact that he doesn't offer anything else would be an issue for most teams and i don't think it'll be an issue for me because i already have enough good passers in a guy like a lamar odom um in a guy like a uh steve steve francis uh i got another guy who could fill in the gaps between a metal world piece a metal world sandiford and a sean marion all i need mcgay to do is put the ball in the basket and pretend to stay in front of his man i feel like we could get that done so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be solid with that that's gonna round up my starting five um and i also came up with a name for my team um it was mm-hmm. called the teague of extraordinary gentlemen <laughs> so there we go i love it dude i love it that's a great name i was gonna do a teague of their own but decided against it a teague of their own is also brilliant Kudos. <laughs> You, you got this team naming thing on lock, my friend. I appreciate it. It takes a little bit of time. Some of them are recycled ones, but you know, we got to do what we got to do. <laughs> you do what you can, man. Exactly. <laughs> You're up next uh, to round out your five. Yep. So, uh, again, I'm going to go with a bench guy because I think uh, I can get uh, my fifth starter with a later pick. Um, I'm going to go with James Posey another I, well you know what's funny i knew you were gonna take him 
I knew you were going to take James. Po- Talk about James Posey. Why you picked him? Why he fits on this team, man? I knew you were going to take him, though. Another uh, champion, uh, another winner, uh, another versatile guy with like flexibility, lineup flexibility. You depending on lineups, you can put him anywhere from the two to the four. Um, plays good defense, can shoot it, um, does a lot of the little things, uh, and on top of it you know, isn't somebody who's going to be like a, a prima donna if he's not getting enough touches or, or if he has to come off the bench and stuff. Just somebody that I think would fit in really well with the culture that I'm trying to build with Manu, AK, Rip, uh, Jet, and uh, did I forget somebody? Um, looking at your roster right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd yeah, be the yeah. one guy that may be overlooked, but I mean, he's someone who does kind of slip in the gaps, but fills him so he does the job all right all right so going back to me and who i am selecting i mean this is tough because i see a lot of guys who are just gritty team players you know who don't have a specific skill set but kind of thrive in a role that fits with other guys um and you know i'm I'm not looking for that so that's what makes it hard (laughs) um i'm gonna take devin george why laker laker legend lake laker connection he was a tough defender um, did pretty good as far as steals and blocks, could hit the three, hit it pretty decently. That's all I want. Someone there who knows his place, knows his role, can stand out, hit the corner pocket three ball, play defense across, you know, to the two in the three-man position um, and do his job well there. And I value that 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 athleticism that I get from the four position. And Devin George, man, the forgotten uh, middle guy for those uh, three championships between 2001 and 2000, no, 2000, 2002. Yep. Good pick. Appreciate it. Uh, I wasn't expecting him at this point in the draft, but I like it. You know, Sonny, I know this, this is why it gets surprising, but like, as you get to your guys, I think this is the draft of your type of guards, like not your yes. type of guards, your type of guys. And they're not yeah. my type of guy. So it's hard. This is going to be interesting yeah. to see this. this is probably there, where that, you there's the one edge. guy that's, uh, that's on the board right now that I'm surprised you haven't taken yet. Uh, I but, probably but missed like, it, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll okay. See. Cause I'm looking, I'm, I'm trying to, trust me. I was looking for him too. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. all right. Yeah. Uh. Uh, so to round out my actual starting five, this is going to be another kind of deep cut. Uh, Jeff Foster. Okay. It's a deep cut, but yet I'm not surprised. Jeff Foster. It is serviceable. Big man played a good chunk of his time with the Pacers. All 13 seasons that he played in the NBA. He played for the Pacers. Excellent locker room guy, fantastic rebounder, uh, fantastic screen setter, the exact type of guy that I need to help get Manu and rip those advantages while also helping clean up any misses. Um, on top of it, just, again, great dude. Yeah. Listen, that that's your that's your thing, man. I like it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. All right. So we have that. Um, let us now go back to me. Ugh. All right, there's a guy on this team. Like, he fits the buckets role, but I don't like him. He's so annoying to me. Just so annoying. I remember we played with LeBron. I just wasn't a fan. I remember playing with KG. I wasn't a fan. I, I just, I mean, he, and yet he should be a player I like. I'm going back and forth. I almost wanted to slip and select Pablo, Pablo Prigioni. But Ooh, yes, I yes. like it. That yes. may have been something that's also in my mind, but not not until later. But not like until it. later. I like it. I yeah. mean, that was when I knew you would Freaky have a little... Smalls. There Freaky you go. Smalls. There you go. But like, 
what I'm going to end up doing is taking that guy. I don't like him at all. And I'll let him know that when I draft him, you know, listen, I don't like him, <laughs> but you're, you know, you, you, you bring some stuff to the table, uh, you know, a little Doug McDermott, pre, Doug McDermott precursor. I'm going to take Wally Zerbiak. All right. I mean, he had zero defensive impact, though. Like, like, like oh, zero. Sure. I mean, like, I told Koi McGee to at least pretend. I want Wally to imagine. <laughs> like, 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 imagination. Like, it's just sad. Yeah. Um, And I just, I mean, picture again. Picture yourself yes. playing defense. In there your you head. go. And picture that. Exactly. Create a, create a, create a mirage of that. Yeah, but, like, yeah. I mean, I think he's a good analyst. I just didn't like him as a player. I just felt like he just was so ineffectual because he was so good on one side of the ball. But he wasn't so good on one side of the ball. He was just good on one side of the ball. Like. It wasn't like, oh, this is so talented that it makes this look bad. No, he had decent scoring numbers for his career. But if he can't do anything on the other side of the floor at all, I mean, he got dropkick in the face by Bruce Bowen. Like, that's probably his most notable thing to me. Remember the yeah, pump fake? I, I, I recall that. Yeah. 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 So definitely check it out. Wally Zerbiak, Bruce Bowen, get yourself a – I mean, the fact that uh, – that's one knock I'll never – even in his old age, I still won't forgive him for that, is the fact that Greg Popovich defended – uh, Bruce Bowen for some of the just the straight crap he pulled during those years. But anyways, we are going to give it back <laughs> over to you, Josh. Uh, we are rounding out here. We're getting uh, got what four more players left. Yep. So I'm gonna go with uh, you. Previously mentioned that Duke class, right? I did for for Duke players uh, in the the same class. I'm gonna go with the lesser uh, discussed guy outside of William Avery, of course, who we already mentioned but another person who had an illustrious career overseas mm-hmm. and would be fantastic in the current NBA, Alaska's own Trajan Langdon. Wow. Trajan Langdon. I like it. I like it. Now, you had to describe his game a little bit for me because I don't remember it too much. Elite shooter. Elite shooter. He's the guy, uh, and I believe he won at least one, maybe two, if not uh, MVPs, finals MVPs in mm-hmm. EuroLeague. Um, he's the guy that uh, anytime Rip is sitting, Trajan's on the court, and I always have an off-ball shot creator moving without the ball, um, getting the defense shifted, uh, opening things up for Manu and others to attack, um, and also just, again, that release valve. Like, when I have rip or i have trajan on the court i know i have somebody who's going to shoot the lights out i get you someone's going to stand out and, and make you pay for leaving him yep. up and that makes sense that's why they uh, called him the alaskan assassin hey there it is wow that's a nickname too i like it mm-hmm. i like it all right well i am going to go and grab a guy who slipped um because just didn't fit my team but he's good now um six foot eight undersized but low post bevy of low post moves uh, just had a great uh, year, averaged over 20 points and 10 rebounds first two seasons, was remarkably solid, came out ready-made when he was drafted and continued that right up until, unfortunately, he uh, tore that Achilles in his age 28 season. Uh, we are taking Elton Brand. Uh, he's going to round out, for real, my starting five. Um, and, man, I'm, I'm surprised he slipped this low, but he's kind of just a really yeah. just kind of guy who does everything, not does everything well. He's just really solid, but, like, he kind of slips between the cracks. I mean, the Clippers did build around him, but they had an identity where they built around him and, like, a lot of, like, tough defenders. You had the low post score of Chris Kamen. You had some weird, funky guard, um, point guard matchups between the posting up of Sam Cassell and the driving game and posting up 
of um, Sean Livingston. You know, it was a weird team that was really successful back then. And, you know, it was uh, really Elton Brand who kind of unlocked all of that, you know, with his low post game, with his scoring, his mid-range J, all of that, his defense for sure, um, to the point that, you know, even in his later years, you know, he still was anchoring, you know, pretty bad Philadelphia 76ers squads, but still in his late 30s. So I'm going to go with someone who, you know, is going to be great in the locker room, uh, fills a role really well, and knows his place. I like it. Back that's to all Josh I can really Earl. say about Alton Brand. I, I like it. I, listen, like, that's all, honestly, again, I don't blame you. Kinda, that's kind of what. Kind of like yeah. uh, vanilla, right? Like, there you go. Not super exciting, but still delicious. Still no, a great, like, yeah, yeah. Um, again, I'm going to dip my toes into the undrafted group uh, and take Jorge Garbajosa. Jorge. How deep a cut is that for you? That, that is a deep, sir. I have no idea what you're right. He was part of the uh, 2006 all-rookie first team. Uh, obviously didn't come over in 99, came over way later for Toronto. Um, but uh, in his two NBA seasons, age 29 and age 30, he shot uh, like pretty well from three, good hustle guy, uh, did all the little things, set screens, boxed out, got rebounds, made the extra pass, all that sort of stuff. And then in his uh, international career, he shot 37.8% from three uh, for his career uh, and and 78% from the line. Just, again, a really good team piece that's going to – enhance any advantages created by my primary guys um not make any serious um i can't even say that i was going to say deleterious uh but i don't know properly properly pronounced um but he's not going to hurt my team either there you go there you go i like i like give us the name one more time jorge garbajosa Jorge Garbajosa. Remember that, y'all. We went, we went deep. Uh, yep. He's a young, the swingman. Wow. Okay. So we have Mr. Garbajosa in the picture, and now we're going back to me. And I think at this point now is a good time to say Will Avery. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know Pull what? The though, trigger, man. <laughs> uh, we are getting dangerously close to that time. Um, I'm going to reevaluate one more time. Oh no, I'm not going to take him just yet because we have a guy who's left on the board who I think it has to be done. Um, oh man, let me, let me, let me, oh, great radio here. I understand this, but I need to think. Okay. I think I'm going to roll with him. Yeah. I'm gonna roll with him. Baron Davis. Yep. See, Baron good Davis. backup uh, yeah. for, for Steve Francis. You don't really have to change how you play too much between those two in terms of uh, your offensive scheme. Nope. It, you know, you're right. I don't. And I like it. And, and I think he's going to fit really well in my backcourt. At first, I wasn't going to take him only because I'm like, All right, I don't want to have too many guys who need to have the ball in their hands, you know, because both um, both Francis and 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 um, Baron, Baron Davis were both like good, but not great shooters. I mean, Baron Davis had some good years, but like for the most part, I feel like he was kind of someone who was like, on ball with it, you know, um, but I do like that for sure. I do have some versatility here. Um, and I'm, I'm a really a fan of it. So I, I think this is going to be a good little fit for our squad. Uh, definitely we skew more to the offensive end, but guess what? That's not the worst thing in the world. I'm not tripping about it. And Baron Davis, not only to give us the, we believe warriors, 
Um, he had a couple of good years early with Charlotte, a couple of good years again with Golden State before he also had his injury with the Clippers. He's a very solid player. And even after that, he became sort of a decent, although, you know, a little slightly out of shape player with the Knicks uh, before, of course, having that just fatal in not, not fatal. What the world? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Career, Career ending. There we go. That's what I meant fatality. to say. Jeez, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting late over here. No. I, I know what you meant. I Thank you, you, sir. Meant. I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. Cause I, right, right. anyway, before you had that, that career ending injury, basically um against the heat i think it was just before the playoffs or no it was in the playoffs game it was game four of the 20 i want to say 2012 first round yeah something else but i'm gonna take him to round out uh my five i've said that four different times but like this time it's real he's gonna be uh, just my next to last pick he is my starting point guard we're gonna move francis to the two okay okay uh two things i'd, I'd note about uh baron davis one dated the wonderful laura dern yes that was was i wish that lasted uh yeah when i saw that those two were dating at first i was like huh but i also loved it yeah and then the other thing is you can have so much fun with uh your point guard or i guess your backcourt dunk contests in practice that's true that's true. That's be some Yo, stuff. you're right. Our, our, this we have a dunk contest with most of our guys on our team between those guys. McGet- yes, I'm McGetty with you. You're right. McGetty yep. could get up as well. Um, you know, Lamar Odom had the hops when he wanted to. Uh Elton Brand and Wally Zerba, most certainly not. But um <laughs> but yep. All right, we are back to you, sir, and we are almost think, done here. I think that's this is the last pick for me, right? This is your last pick, indeed. Yep. So again, I'm gonna dip into the undrafted. Uh, portion and take the Crayola Ayatollah, Chris Birdman Anderson. Wow, I love it. I love it. So you're starting Jeff Foster. Yep, starting Jeff Foster, and then uh, off the bench, I have the delight that is Birdman. Birdman, Birdman, love when Shaq used to say that man. It's <laughs> exactly. the stupidest thing, but it was so good. Birdman, Birdman. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Just a, a guy who get up, had the bunnies. Good defensive the guy. Bunnies, good uh, shot blocker, could rebound. Definitely a personality. Again, good locker room guy. Not going to cause any drama. Um, and, you, you know, your tattoos are never going to look as, like, over the top as his. So <laughs> That's true. I mean, listen, as bad. I, no, they will not. They will not, indeed. <laughs> um, listen, I mean, they will. Those tattoos are not going to age well. I'm sorry. They already are. Anyway, he is a fun guy from all accounts, you know, uh, fit on a, a Miami Heat team, fit on the Denver Nuggets. Like, he's just a guy that's just really, really dope. So, really excited to have you kind of round out your team. And again, a guy who just seems really solid. So, look at that. All right. Well, let me go to my last pick. And I almost feel like, hmm, where should I go with this one? Andre Miller. Makes sense. We're taking the professor. We need a backup point guard. He's a guy who's an adult in the room, played a very long time, had the unorthodox low post game. Usually I like my guys to shoot, you know, and Andre Miller wasn't the greatest shooter, at least not from long range, but he was a good mid-range shooter. Definitely was a lot more exciting in his younger days. Um, During his lower days, definitely got that kind of Sam Cassell, kind of unorthodox low post game that was really, really good. Um, That 2013 game winner he had in game one against the uh, Golden State Warriors, just the quick between the legs, left, right, get to the lane. That was really nice. Shook Draymond Green back then, like, that was nice. So I'm definitely taking Andre Miller. I think he rounds up this five pretty well, and, and he's a perfect fit for the Teague of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So before we kind of wrap up here, Josh, I want you to kind of I tell us, um, kind of describe your team 
If you came mm-hmm. with a team name, let that happen. But we also do a little twist on these. I want you to pick a coach and a foundational play. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, for a coach, I think I'm going to, like, my philosophy is very uh, loose reins. Let the, the players kind of uh, do what they know how to do. Um, and, and kind of trust in their basketball decision-making. Uh, so I think I'm going to go with perhaps the loosest reins coach that I know of, Don Nelson. Um, because right, Nelson, Nelson would totally be cool with, like, you know, anything, anything. He's like, so Andre Kirilenko is going to play the point guard this quarter. Whatever. <laughs> you know, like, he, he would be open to anything. Um, and, and I think – with my team, there's a lot of quality basketball decision makers. So you don't need that heavy hand of, of calling set plays every single time down. That's true. That's true. Um, and you have finished. Oh, so you don't want a foundational play. You kind of just want to be free. Foundational play is play. <laughs> have them have fun. Have them uh, basically do 0.5 summertime Spurs style Um we create an advantage, whether that's off rips movement or Manu. Uh, and then we just keep pinging that ball, expanding that advantage until uh, we just demolish the other team. Okay. So we're going to keep that. Okay. So we'll keep that there. Um, we got a free will, free will, free wheeling style of ball. Yep. I am totally thrown off, as you can tell, because my main guy, my coach, I picked in literally every <laughs> other of these. No, it's fine. I'm glad. I just well, I'm, I'm perfect sense too with your team, Don Nelson. That, would be it, great for your team. Listen, by the end of the first five, I'd already had Don Nelson my coach. So <laughs> now I am like having the toggle. You know what I'm going to do? And this is going to be. I love so- that. Like normally, uh, it's players that get sniped in these circumstances. Yes. But but I, I love that uh, in this case, in our conversation, we can snipe a coach, which is funny because I got every player I wanted, yeah. like every player I wanted. And I, then get I, the I coach had the I feeling it would play out that way, where I got everybody I wanted, and you got everybody you this wanted. This is the first because time that we happens. have different kind of like uh, affinities for di- certain types of play. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I'm gonna have wow, that threw me in for a real loop, but I will recover. Um, it's gonna be unconventional. You got this. I'm gonna go with deep take here. 1994 Magic Johnson. Interesting. Okay. Because okay. he won't know what the heck to do, and that's the coach I want. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to coach It'll at be best. A great interview at the at the bare minimum. There we go. Be a great interview. You give the ball uh, this guy and it's game, winning time during the game. Yep, yeah, it's yeah. winning time. Just like back with me and Kareem at the ball. I go, whoo, whoo, the ball will go here in this game. The ball goes to Stevie Francis. It doesn't go back. That's winning, baby. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. There's so many, like, I, I could just picture, like, well, you know, like, we scored more points than the other teams. So. Yes, yes, Woo! exactly. <laughs> there it is. And yeah, I want, yeah. like I said, with Don Nelson, it would have been do anything because he just, you know, like, try to see what happens. Oh, I feel yeah. like Magic's going to be like, out of, guard. Yes. yeah, like, he, he would do anything. I feel like Magic's going to be out of desperation. Everyone's going to have to do it. It's going to be good. A foundational play. We're going to do a Steve Francis, Sean Marion pick and roll. All right. Uh, actually, I'm going to change that. Foundational play, Steve Francis, Lamar Odom pick and roll. Okay. 
gotcha. because I like the fact that Lamar Odom can do more with the ball in the short roll situation. Yep. Um, Francis, of course, give him a minute to get to the rim. He's good. If not, he does like to shoot around that pick and roll, um, you know, off of that pick and just rise up. Uh, and then if you have someone like Lamar, he can do pick and pop. He can roll with authority. Uh, you know, we saw that with the Lakers. Uh, definitely check out, I think it was the first match between the Lakers and the Heat in 2010. There was two, the first two, play, the first two big plays for the Lakers. One was like a design play alley for Lamar, and the other was a Kobe post up, Lamar cut, a boom, and that type of stuff. And it's like later in his career, Lamar. That's yep. the type of stuff I can imagine with uh, with this one. So we're going to do a, Lam- a Francis Odom pick and roll, and we're going to run that until we can't run it anymore. Then we'll run to Marin Davis, and then Coy McGetty isolation. See, the nice thing is you could you could easily pivot to where you can um, if they uh, the defense snuffs out the uh, Stevie franchise, Lamar Odom pick and oh, roll, they won't. swing the ball to the weak side. <laughs> and then you have Baron Davis run a pick and roll with Elton Brand or uh, the Matrix. That'd be very tough that to is, defend wow. back to back. Yes, that is. That's a good. This is why you should be a coach. <laughs> this is why you should be this is why you should be it. the coach huh i don't have the temperament for it oh man you you definitely got you definitely got the uh you definitely got the, the actual uh the, the, what's it called not the temperament but the execution the strategy for it in fact as, of course sir as we close this out i do want to share i do want you to share um what you get going on contextual scouting and and just what you bring to the table there for our listeners yeah yeah so uh i have a, a company called uh contextual scouting and we basically offer basketball career development guide. Uh, I like to call myself a basketball career development coach. Uh, and I help people uh, kind of enhance their odds of taking the next step in their journey in the basketball industry. Uh, for the past, gosh, it'll be uh, 11 years this November. For the past 11 years wow. between contextual scouting and another company I used to work for, I have taught over 750 people, um, got to work with uh, some excellent mentors, including a former executive of the year um, in the NBA, uh, got a lot of stories. In fact, I have one about Birdman that we'll talk about after we stop recording because it's not safe for work. Uh, that's fine <laughs> <with> me. <laughs> um, and uh, over that time, I, I've gotten, I, I like to think, uh, pretty good at helping uh, kind of people reframe how they view problems in basketball and how to help make themselves a more attractive candidate for jobs in the industry by emphasizing how you solve problems in basketball and how you can build a portfolio of work that shows that instead of just relying on a resume. I like that. Wow. A little more deep dive, a little more in-depth, kind of fleshed out version of what we kind of people are really looking for in terms of breaking in understanding, but don't really realize that. So from a sound perspective, is it just kind of like like the layers of it? Yeah. So uh, it's I have a core. I have kind of two courses right now and I'm working on a third one. Uh, one course is what I call the portfolio path where you get eight weeks of access to Synergy Sports. Um, and in the process, you kind of dip your toes into what it's like to be, uh, in the video room, uh, because that's probably the great equalizer for most people. Um, as you well know, most jobs in the industry, you're going up against former players. You're going up against people who have long, um, networks, uh, through many decades of coaching. You are going to go 
up against uh, people who are relatives of the ownership. Uh, you're going up against uh, kids <laughs> who just got uh, advanced degrees in econometrics and machine learning uh, from Ivy League schools. Um, those people generally don't want to hustle in the video room. So I don't want to say that it's easier because none of this is easy. And I want to make it that clear. It's not easy. Um, but that is a great equalizer for those of us who don't have uh, that specific background that, that I mentioned in some of those other cases. Um, and in the process, you solve how to advance scout, player personnel scout, player development, halftime adjustments, um, your own team uh, kind of reflection and uh, kind of your own team development approach. Okay. Um, so all of that's in the portfolio uh, option. And then there's also a project option if you have a specific thing that you're trying to accomplish where you can get direct feedback and mentorship from me uh, as well as synergy access to help with your project. As well. Wow. That's that. Listen, y'all, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Plus eight weeks of synergy is really kind of cool. It's a great experience for anyone who really wants to kind of get use of this access. I mean, it's hard to kind of get that, you know? Yeah. And so to be able to get that along and where can they find just this, of course, more information, obviously following you on Twitter, but like, is there another place to find Contextual this? Contextualscouting.com contextualscouting.com definitely make sure to check that out y'all seriously uh i'm looking and i've been talking to josh about this again more off of the show but just in terms of really trying to get in there and understand it from a different angle a different perspective flushing out my own basketball understanding and josh really knows his hoops this was a fun little exercise but just in general we'll have him back on here in the future to kind of flesh out some more a uh, more basketball philosophy kind of um endpoints you know just try to figure out certain things or just talk our way through certain situations or whatever the case may be about basketball so i'm looking forward to doing with you josh during the season um that'll be fun man it, it definitely fun. will man i appreciate you coming on definitely one more time before you're out man let them know where they can find you on uh, twitter Yep. So I am at two red J Earl, uh, number two numeral, uh, R E D J, uh, or dang, I'm forgetting my, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like do enough on, on Twitter. I'm not on there too much because I'm usually avoiding like Ted Lasso spoilers and stuff. Uh, shout out to the season two. Finale. There it is. And, uh, there it is. That, that, that we're, we're recording this. Uh, it's at number two, R-E-D-J-U-R-L. There we go. Uh, and then you can also find uh, contextualscouting.com. There it is. So definitely check him out there, y'all. Listen, you will definitely love it. The guy is always quick to respond. Well, literally always. He, I am the one who misses all the time. Knows his hoops. Loves talk about it. Check him out for sure. You can find me on Twitter, much less responsive, but I am still excited. Um, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Check out HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Online Hoop-Ball.com. Definitely make sure to do that. Like I said, get your fantasy um, resources while you can before the season starts, and we are in full swing for sure. Make sure to check out one more time. Manscaped, 20% off plus free shipping. Got to give it to you. Not going to tell you a horror story about Manscaped because you know why. Just imagine your worst one that happened to me. Manscaped.com, 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code HOOPBALL20. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. One more time, y'all. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. Listen, y'all, for Josh, for myself, we are frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.